a uh, incredible experience for Katie and I to celebrate Christmas in really a different way than we have before. We've gathered those scriptures together over the years, recalling who he is from various parts, the Old Testament, New Testament. But this is the first time that we have experienced it in Hebrews and seen through the eyes of the writer, the author of this incredible book that focuses so much on who is the Christ. Are you getting a taste and sense of that? And it goes beyond, really beyond a star. It goes beyond a shepherd or shepherds or wise men to the point where we really see with a focus looking through the eyes of the writer of Hebrews. And for me personally, I think I have reached a level I never have before, particularly at this time of the year. And I trust that that has been so for you as well, as we've looked to Jesus and are continuing to look to Jesus. For the writer of of Hebrews said that we're fixing our eyes on him, that we're running a race, and he's the one who's run ahead of us. And we're watching the every motion, every stride that he takes to really learn what it is to be a Christ lover and to enter into the race with him, not as a spectator, but actually as one following in his train, in his model that he has for us imitating him. Christmas in Hebrews. Hebrews 7, 11 to 28 is our passage for today. I think we'll probably be done with Hebrews somewhere near the end of this next year, (laughs) the rate we are going. And we'll just see how it goes. Do you know what I love about the Bible? The Bible is always relevant to our day and age. It never grows old. It is pertinent. It is exactly what we need for our modern day life. Just as relevant as it was to those in the Old Testament. Relevant to those who were writing it and experiencing it in the New Testament. For those in the early church and what they went through. And I've said this before. I don't think there's an, in fact, I know it. Percentage-wise, we have more scripture per capita than any time in the history of man. Just think about it. How many Bibles do you have on your phone? I've got, well... I've got the whole, every Bible version on my phone or access to it. That's incredible. The proliferation, the spreading of God's word throughout the world 
is incredible. And it should have an understanding that his word is important to us. Why? Because it came from his very heart to us. It's not the words of men. Scripture says of itself that holy men were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write. And so we receive this word. And we want to implant it, just like what Miwa does with the Sunday school kids, getting it into their memory, getting it into their being. You do that and it will change your life because of the power of the word. Today we're going to talk about the appointed son. Appointed king, priest, we talked about that. Today is talking about the appointed son. Because it really comes down to, you know, kings we can relate to in that, oh, wow, you know, they're mighty and powerful. But a son? Where does he get his power? How many sons do we have in the room here today? Yeah, we're sons. But what's important about us? Well, probably one of the first things that we think about is our dad. And you know, some of us didn't have such wonderful dads. Some of you have had some incredible dads who have modeled for you the kind of son that you should be. Who was Jesus' dad? wasn't Joseph. It was our Heavenly Father. And he learned obedience, it says in Hebrews. He learned by being obedient as a son. In the same manner that we also learn. Now that I've left you daughters out, you come right alongside not behind, you come right alongside with us as sons and daughters of the king. And because of that relationship, this message today should mean a lot to us. Let's read this scripture. Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, What further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek rather than one named after the order of Aaron? For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. For the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe from which no one has ever served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah. In connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about being priests. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest not on the basis of legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it is witnessed of him 
you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. For the law made nothing perfect, but on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. For those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. For on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness. For the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. And he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he was able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests. But the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Father, we ask you to bless your word now and help me to walk us through this and understand what you are wanting to speak to us. Let's look at the introduction and then comparing Aaron and Jesus. Jesus It says, on the other hand, there's a comparison there too, fitting such a high priest. Look at how Jesus is so fitting for us. And then our conclusion. Now, if perfection was through the Levitical priesthood, one of the things that the author is talking about is that those men who were assigned as priests from the tribe of Levi. And by the way, last Sunday, I have to correct what I said up here. I had my priests all rattling around in my head, and I got Levi and Aaron mixed up. So I hope you didn't go home thinking, what was he talking about? (laughs) Now, if perfection was through the Levitical priesthood, well, if there was perfection from this pastor. I'm sorry. I did make some mistakes last week. You will forgive me, right? Oh, I love to hear that. (laughs) And so the Levitical priests also blew it many times. Those of you who are not native English speakers, blew it means they just messed it up. No priest was perfect. And they knew it. Because you know what they had to do? The first thing a priest had to do? He had to take care of his own sin. 
and acknowledge it. His own frailty. He wasn't the the lead priest. He needed to deal with his own sin first before he could help anyone else. You know, as a pastor, it's a heavy responsibility to be leading people in the way of the Lord because you're always aware of your own weakness. And together, let's walk in the perfection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll get to that. But the weakness that we're talking about here was the Levitical priesthood. And it was chosen arbitrarily in the sense of you didn't know who the next priest would be who would be born. And that priest carried it on and carried it on and carried it on from one generation to another. And they all didn't have the same experience. And they weren't perfect. Some of the priests that we read in the Old Testament were not perfect men. In fact, far from it. And their sin is spread out there for us to read because they weren't perfect. If they were perfect, what further need would there be for another priest? And the perfection that they lacked was that they died. A new high priest came because the past high priest died. And he died because of his own sin and the sin of his father before him. And so we could never get out of this syndrome, this cycle of sin upon sin upon sin from generation to generation, from one father to a son. What further need was there for another priest? but one that is like Melchizedek. And last week we talked about Melchizedek. What's the meaning of his name? Melchizedek. This isn't a test, but it's uh, just an uh, exercise in remembering. What does Melchizedek mean? King of righteousness. King of righteousness. I'll ask this question again next week, so just remember that. It's right for us to be able to check that up and understand and think about it. The king of righteousness. What a way to compare to Jesus Christ. And as I said last week, I believe that Melchizedek actually was a pre-incarnation of Jesus Christ. And there were several of those in the Old Testament where Jesus came in the form, looked like an angel, but wasn't an angel. This Melchizedek looked like a king, a present king, but we don't even know his kingdom. He appears on the scene and he disappears. I believe that's Jesus Christ, pre-incarnate, a sign to all of us that he was from eternity to eternity. That is who Jesus Christ was. So when you see Jesus or a picture of Jesus in a manger, no, he existed from the very beginning. And there wasn't a beginning, by the way. And scripture tells us that. But here he interjected himself 
into humanity to show himself to be eternal, the perfect high priest. According to the order of Melchizedek, he was not designated, not to be designated according to the order of Aaron. The order of Aaron fell far short of being a perfect king. For when the priesthood is changed, of necessity there needs to be a change of law. And what God had decided in terms of the order was to show the example of the Levitical priesthood. This is what I command, this is what I ask you to perform for me. But it's pointing, it's pointing ahead to the future. It was pointing All that we've read in the Old Testament is pointing forward to another priest who will be perfect. And the prophets of the Old Testament were speaking of that. Well, who would it be? And he gave hints, God gave hints along the way of where it would be. Even back in Psalm 110, that he appointed a son. God appointed a son. And that son was to be Jesus Christ. Unique. Unique in the line of men. Very unique. Born of a virgin. Not born in sinful state like we are. This Jesus became the great high priest without sin. We talked about that last week as well. Comparing Aaron and Jesus. The Levitical priesthood as opposed to Jesus, the high priest. The Levitical priesthood was weak and useless. Jesus' priesthood was based on an indestructible life. Jesus was raised from the dead. He now is making intercession for us as the great high priest. After the order of Aaron, Levitical priests were All of them died. The order of Melchizedek, he didn't die. There's no record of Melchizedek dying by the fact that Jesus came showing himself as the king of righteousness in the order of Melchizedek. Without an oath was where the Levitical priest was. The oath was that it would be a son who was appointed by God, to be priest forever. God swore by himself. Remember we talked about that? There was no higher person that he could call upon. He swore by himself in that it is impossible for God to lie. And so he said, I appointed you a son after the order of Melchizedek. That's why I believe that king of righteousness, Melchizedek, was the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, Jesus Christ. Prevented by death. That was where the Levitical priesthood had the same problems as the rest of them. His sin brought him to the end where he was not perfect. But Jesus continues forever forever 
Jesus is the guarantee of a better covenant. And so that what we have in the New Testament, looking back at the Old Testament, we see what God was up to, if you would excuse me for using that kind of language, but this is what God was planning all along, to point to his son, who would be the perfect priest for us, to be able to stand eternally before the Father on our behalf as our priest. And then it says, Jesus on the other hand. Let's talk about Jesus. On the other hand, we have a better hope being introduced that through which we can draw near to God. And God then becomes to us one link away, so to speak. Rather than a whole line of priests, we have Jesus Christ who sits at the right hand of the Father. And that is quick access. That's immediate access through this one who understands and knows us better than we know ourselves. Because he walked and lived like we are, yet without sin. That's the kind of intercessor, that's the kind of person I really need in my life. Not somebody who says, Ron, I really understand you know, your struggle and all the things that you're going through. No, I need somebody to lift me out of my struggles and not just come along and say, well, it's too bad, isn't it? You know what I'm talking about? That we have a counselor, an advocate, a priest who knows us so well because he's walked, not in a sinful way like I have, but he's walked in perfection. And he knows what I've missed out on. And he knows how to come in and lift me up and bring me to the Father. Wow. We go to the doctor and you say, I've been having these terrible headaches or my foot aches. Well, the doctor says, well, I studied that back in uh, med school and this is your problem. Well, can you fix it? Well... Let's try this. And if it doesn't work, come back in two weeks. No, we have someone who has walked through this sinful life, not as a sinner himself, who knows how to walk perfectly through the daily walk that you and I walk every day. And we can call upon him. He's our advocate. He's the one we go to. Praise the Lord. The former priests were prevented by death. Jesus died, yes. For his own sin? No. For our sin. But he holds his priesthood permanently. Why? Because God proved by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead that he was the rightful priest. He was the rightful sacrifice. That's why Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. To prove who he was. Just like Aaron's rod. If we could, we could look in that gold box up there on that calendar back there. Inside there is a little thing 
with flowers on it. You found it. Aaron's rod is what that represents. It was kept, the rod was kept in that box because it had budded. It was a dead stick and God made it alive. We've talked about this before. And it had leaves. And it had almonds. It was alive. That speaks of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And that was long, long, long before Jesus came on the scene as a baby. He became our perfect priest. He had the authority. He holds his priesthood permanently because he continues to live forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Read that over and over and over again. Memorize that. Get that in your heart. Consequently, as a result, the end is, and on the other hand, Jesus has obtained for us the ability to draw near to God through him who always lives to make intercession for them. And then finally, fitting. It is so fitting for this priest to be our high priest. And I'd be repetitious if I'd go back over the last point. But it fits us. It suits us. Jesus suits us for heaven. That's why he came. That's what he wants to do in our lives. We're going to be like Jesus. Not Jesus, like Jesus, will be his, will have fellowship with him. I can't imagine that. Such a high priest. Here's what it says about him He was holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, exalted above the heavens, no need to offer sacrifices for himself but he offered himself for us, for you, for me. What a priest. And in conclusion, for the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, you are a son and I will not change my mind, God says in his oath, which came later after the law. When the law was so Weak, it couldn't change us. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not lie. You shall not steal. Well, just because of that word, that doesn't give me power. What does? Looking at Jesus and his sacrifice and what he's done for us. But he with an oath, through the one, Jesus, who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Jesus is a priest for us forever. What does forever mean? Forever. Right? Are we going to need a priest when we get to heaven? I think we are. 
when it says forever, it means forever. And so I don't know in, in what capacity or what... We're not going to have sin there. And I, I'm just pushing our thinking out there, you know, out to the edges, okay? Think about that this week. What's it going to be like when we're in heaven and we don't have this sinful body where the minds that we have have been cleansed and redeemed and we're with Jesus Christ? We will always be worshiping the Lamb, the one who gave himself for us. Boy, that sounds boring. (laughs) I don't think so. I think, you know, somebody wins the lottery and think, oh man, I'm in heaven. No, you're not. (laughs) In fact, you know what happens to most of the people that get the big lottery? Within a matter of years, very few years, they have destroyed themselves. That's the statistics. Don't waste your money on lottery. That is the stupidest thing I could think of. But it says, he appoints a son. God appoints a son and a daughter. We're chosen to be his. He has made us to be like him. And that's what we will become. And he's the one that we emulate. Points a son who has been made perfect forever. And what was already read to us, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. How is this going to happen? The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish it. God has a plan in mind and he will accomplish it. The zeal of the Lord. Do you understand what the zeal of the Lord is? Maybe you don't even know what that word zeal means. It means that he has one focus and only one focus. Think about that this week as well. You've got a lot to think about this week, don't you? Go over some of this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish it.